riverreporter.com. And from listener donations at wjffradio.org. Welcome to the local edition on Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. Local edition is news and information that keeps you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. And today we'll be connecting you to the latest news from the Sullivan County Democrat Managing Editor, Joseph Abraham, will be joining us for our weekly news roundup coming up in the second half of the program. But first, now that we're on the other side of Thanksgiving, seems like the holiday season is upon us. And here in Sullivan County, the Government Center plays host to a series of holiday concerts by all of the local school districts. Concerts are all held in the lobby of the Government Center in Monticello. They're free. They're open to the public. And here to tell us more, spokesperson for Sullivan County Government, Dan Hoos, joining us live on the phone. Hello, Dan. Welcome back to the program. One more time. Sorry about that. Hello, Dan. Welcome back to the program. Uh, thanks, Jason, for having me. So um, these these concerts, uh, the holiday concerts are returning again this year. This is a fairly... Um, I remember doing this back when I was playing in the local uh, band and chorus in oh. school. Did we like, but did, is this the first time it's back since the pandemic? Yeah, since 2019, that was the last time we had it. So we've, we've skipped the past two years uh, because of obvious reasons. And now I am really thrilled to say it is back in its full fledged form. The, tr- the tradition continues now, resumes once again. Uh, how many school districts are actually participating in this? We have uh, six school districts plus BOCES participating. There could be more that come along because I'm still uh, accepting people who uh, want to pick a date that's free. And some schools may uh, wait until the last minute on that, and I get it. But at this point, we do have six schools and BOCES coming. We have the Christmas tree that just got put up today, a brand new one that we have, artificial. I'll deal with it. Uh, but, um, uh, it's uh, And we actually happen to have, for the moment, two pianos. We're replacing the original upright piano we had in the lobby with a new one. And we haven't yet done anything with the old piano. So there are two pianos there. We'll see what kind of musical magic is going to be made. All right. That's great. I'm looking at the the rundown and the, the first concert, uh, the, the series kicks off. It looks like it's next Thursday. Uh, so a week from this Thursday, the 8th. And boy, these go right up almost right till Christmas with the Roscoe Band and Choir playing on December 22nd. That's just a couple of days before Christmas Eve. Yep, I had found in years past, because of course when I joined the county, this uh, uh, was assigned to me right off the bat, <laughs> right. that um, uh, these school districts actually preferred being closer to the holidays. I'm not exactly sure why, because I would think that's when things get a little busier and it's tougher to get everyone together. But I'm happy for it, uh, personally speaking, because uh, as we get closer and closer to the holidays, more and more of these concerts are happening. And it is just such a pleasure and a blessing to be in the government center every day to hear and see these students performing. And I tell you what, there are some of, of them who just, you, you think they've got a future They've got yeah. a career in the musical field, 
And, and it's exciting, listen, just to come and see what these young people are doing, that you realize there's more being taught than math and science and writing and literature. There is music happening in our schools, and it's wonderful to hear and see that in the government center. And so you must be in touch with, like, all the, the various music teachers. Just to, how, how does this come together? <laughs> well, uh, there's a, a person called a district clerk at all of these <laughs> districts who is invaluable. Uh, it, it, it's something that, I, that they know to expect that I'm going to be giving them a call, usually in October, sometimes earlier if I get my act together. Uh, and they put me in touch with all the different music folks because – there might be an overall music director. There might not. There might be a band director. There might be a vocal coach. There might be somebody who just deals with instruments uh, or coordinating schedules. So it, it's a bit of an effort to get it all together. But when it finally happens and you're standing there in the lobby listening to these young people play or sing or sometimes even dance, uh, it's all the work was worth it. There's, at this point, about nine concerts that are happening in the second, third, and, and fourth weeks of December. Um, Dan, I'd like to go over the schedule. I don't know if you have it in front of you, but I've got a copy here. I do. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so, so it kicks off on the 8th, right? Right, the 8th at noon, Livingston Manor High School Choir and Band. Then we go to the 13th at 1 o'clock, which is the Fallsburg Elementary Chorus. Then the 14th of December at 1230, we have the, the big one here, Monticello High School Band, Orchestra, Chorus, and the one that I'm very interested to know what this is, Emerging Ensembles. Yeah, I haven't so heard we'll of that. see what that turns out to be. Yeah. Emerging Ensembles. On the, on the 15th at 11, we have the BOCES Chorus. Uh, on the 16th at 11, we have the Sullivan West 4th through 6th grade chorus, which, by the way, in my experience, this is going to be the first year Sullivan West has participated, so I'm oh, really wow. looking forward to having them come. And, of course, these are elementary students. Most of the time we get high schoolers. Mm-hmm. Then on the 19th at 1145 a.m., we have the Liberty High School Honors Band, followed by the very next day on the 20th at 1130 a.m. with the Liberty High School Honors Chorus. Then on the 21st at 1130 a.m., we have the Sullivan West High School Select Choir. And we wrap it all up on the 22nd at noon with the Roscoe Band and Choir. And these are free, open to the public, inside the government center. Come pull up a chair. If you happen to get there halfway through, again, it's in the lobby. It's going to be open to the public. You're not interrupting anything. Just stop and listen. And uh, these dates are all weekdays. All of these performances, are they're all happening in the middle of the day, late morning to midday, and uh, they're all taking place on weekdays. And where can people see the full schedule if they want to check it out? The full schedule is on any of our social media pages. It's also available at SullivanNY.us forward slash calendar. Dan, I don't know if you got anything else that you want to talk about, but I did want to just mention quick, I think it's the first time I've talked to you in person since we got the the news a couple weeks ago that the warming center in Liberty uh, this year, the county warming center, all last year we would announce when the temperature got to a certain point the center was open. Now we know that all winter long this warming center is going to be open every night, and that's pretty big news. It is. We have the funding uh, that has been provided to us to make that happen in Liberty. And my understanding is very shortly here we'll be announcing the same at the Ted Strobel Recreation Center in Monticello. 
so that we will have these shelters, really is what I call them, place to, to get warm, especially on snowy, cold days. We will have them open at least through March, and we'll see how far this uh, winter season extends. Every night of the week, seven nights a week from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. And these are staffed by volunteers, by the way. We don't pay the people who work there. Uh, they are volunteers, and, and the work that they do, just in being a resource for people coming in and saying, hi, how are you? Do you need anything to eat? Do you feel it okay? Here's a place to sleep, warm blanket, nice pillow. These people are angels. Yeah. And this this center in Liberty that's on that's on Main Street. It's it's the big uh, United Methodist Church on Main Street. It's the United Methodist Church just up from the village and town halls, just right. up the street. Okay, and so and then you answered my other questions, which was, do we expect the Ted Strobel Rec Center to come along? We we when we can make that announcement, we will to let people know what's going on with uh, that warming center. Is there anything else you want to let folks know tonight? While I got you. Sure. We just announced today something that I'm really proud of. I was personally involved in this. We are the first county in upstate New York to partner with Google, the Google, on uh, their new chatbot service. We're calling it Sullivan County Virtual Agent. We may come up with a a better name than that, but (laughs) Sully just didn't appeal to me. But (laughs) but what it is, is uh, as you've probably seen if you've gone on websites of larger corporations, that there's a little helper in the lower right. It's an artificial intelligence-driven program that says, what are you looking to accomplish? And based on what you input, it will say, oh, okay, I can help you with that, or you need to call here for more information, or it'll provide a link, whatever it needs to do. And we're starting this out as a pilot project to see if it's worth uh, the cost involved. We're doing it just with the county clerk's office and the county treasurer's office. It'll follow you throughout the entire website, but the only questions that it's been trained to answer at this point have to do with the clerk's office, which includes the Department of Motor Vehicles and the Treasurer's Office. Those are our busiest public-facing offices, so we thought this is a great way to figure out whether this is going to be something that people find useful. We think so. We're excited about it. Google's excited about it. They've been bragging about us across the state. Uh, and we've just had a great time these past few months figuring out the various ways people will ask the same question because you don't necessarily uh, ask the question of, uh, for example, how do I get my driver's license renewed the same way somebody else may ask it, Yeah. especially if you're typing it. So we are interested to see how people respond to this, how useful it is. And if it does prove as useful as we think it's going to be, we're looking to expand it to other parts of the county government. This is great. I actually saw the press release earlier today, took a quick look at it. And I guess the impression that I got was more like um, of something that's essentially a, a more animated guide for the site because there is a lot on the website as well. But this sounds like this is much more detail-oriented, responding to actual questions about how to accomplish things within a given division. Yep. And the real push for us was to cut down on on phone calls answering basic questions that we know the website already provides the answers to, but people may just not be comfortable looking for it or can't find it conveniently. Well, this is an attempt to make it as absolutely convenient as possible just to go online real quickly. You can do it on any kind of electronic device and ask a question and get the answer that you need. 
quicker than having to work through a phone recording system or even necessarily talking to somebody. And that's if you can get them on the phone. Like with our DMV, there are times where we can't answer the phone because all of our clerks are helping people at that moment. Yeah. But this chatbot, this Sullivan County virtual agent, will be available 24-7, 365 to answer your questions about DMV. That much I, I, I did get out of the press release is that notion that, okay, well, this will cut back on some of the, the basic question answering that live people might have to do. It's a win-win. If it works, it's a win-win. It helps, it, it helps make things more efficient on the supply end of the services and it helps people find the information they're looking for. So fingers crossed this works out. And you know, you're, you, you know as well as any of us that, you know, we have to get creative when we're providing services to rural communities. And so anywhere you can, you can find some new tech to help with that. That's a good idea. And we have always wanted to be, as, as funds permit, to be a leader in upstate counties as to adopting technology or being uh, a sustainable energy promoter. Our Office of Sustainable Energy has often led the state in innovation and initiatives. So this is another one, but we want to make sure that this is worth the price because everything has a cost to it. And we want to make sure that this is something that the taxpayers are getting value out of. And we'll know that within the next six months. All right. And just uh, my tip, don't make it look like a little paperclip popping up when, when, it, when it comes <laughs> up, right? That's my advice. We talked about that. Yes. <laughs> Dan Hoos from it's Sullivan County. It's already been taken. There you go. Great. Dan, thank you so much for joining us once again. It's a pleasure. Have a good evening. And one more time, we start off uh, by talking about the holiday concerts, free and open to all inside the Sullivan County Government Center lobby, right there on North Main Street, Monticello. And these are local uh, school students performing in choruses and bands. The first concert is next Thursday on December 8th, and they go right on through December 22nd. All weekday performances, all in the middle of the day. Information on Sullivan County social media. This is Radio Catskill. We're keeping you connected. When we come back, we'll get the latest news from the Sullivan County Democrat. You're listening to the Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Hi, I'm Rachel Martin from NPR. Giving Tuesday is about being generous with our time, our energy, and when possible, our money. It's about coming together to spread kindness. And one way to do that is by making sure journalism delivered with respect and dignity is available for your friends and neighbors. Here's how to do the kind thing and donate to this NPR station now. Just go to our website, wjffradio.org, and click the Donate button. I'm Aaron West. Join us this Saturday as we host the Berryville Tree Lighting. We've planned a fun evening of music and holiday cheer for you to enjoy right from the comfort of your own living room. We'll be broadcasting live on WJFF, the Berryville Tree Lighting. Saturday at 6 on Radio Catskill.
Support comes from the Homestead School, Montessori Education, preschool through early college with campuses in Glens Bay and Hurleyville, building the intelligence, creativity, connection, and skills for an ecological future since 1978. Homesteadschool.com. From the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York, riverreporter.com. And from listener donations at wjffradio.org. Welcome back to the local edition. Every Monday on this program, we check in with Sullivan County Democrats, see what's making news, what's going on in the county, everything that's in the Tuesday edition. Sullivan County Democrat on the phone with us now is the managing editor for Sullivan County Democrat, Joe Abraham, here for our weekly news roundup. Joe, thank you so much for joining us once again. Oh, it's always great, and I, I know you, I'm sure you're tired after a successful music sale on Saturday. Oh, so. yeah. Hey, I saw you there. Actually, that was it. Was I saw a lot of people there. There was a lot of people at the music sale. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not necessarily going to touch on it in this update. Uh, there is this little photo spread and little write up in tomorrow's paper about about the uh, successful music sale. So um, I'm happy it was such a good turnout. So oh, that's great. Well, and I'm happy I'll get to see some pictures of it too. If, hey, listener, if you weren't there. Um, you know, you, you'll be able to see what it looked like as well. And if you were there, thank you so much for coming out. And the same again to you, Joe. Now, um, I I just found out about this story today, but I've been wondering when something like this was going to happen. Liberty High School must change its mascot before the end of the 2023 school year. New York State Department of Education prohibited the use of Native Americans as mascots almost uh, two decades ago, why is this uh, happening now? Seems like they're just enforcing this rule now. And and how is this going to go down, Joe? Yeah, so I mean that's a good question. Why? Uh, but the the uh, so pretty much uh, as you said, a couple decades ago, uh, the the state had put out the state education department put out that they wanted uh, you know this to, to change. Uh, but I guess. In that time period, it should be noted that there have been school districts that have heeded the warning, so to speak, and have changed their name. Uh, I don't know why they waited this long to uh, really strictly enforce it, but what's interesting is I believe there was a school district, I think it's called Cambridge in New York, uh, that community, I guess, fought in court the name change, and uh, the name change was upheld. So pretty much... uh, I'm not sure if that kind of gave maybe the state ed department a little bit of ammo in the sense of like, you know, maybe we should push for this harder now since, you know, this court ruling went in the favor. Well, but, there's, but once there's legal precedent, that does make things easier when you approach the schools that have not complied yet. Yeah. And so there's still about 60 school districts in the state of New York uh, that have a name that would qualify for this. But Liberty is essentially the only Sullivan County school district with the mascot that would fit in the Indians. Um, they could face potential penalties, including loss of state aid, removal of school officers. On that last point, I think some people were a little um, confused on Facebook. I saw some posts where you put stuff up that they thought that they'd be taking away like resource officers. I took this to mean more like, you know, district manage administration people per se. Uh, but James Baldwin, the senior deputy commissioner in the state ed department pretty much, uh, you know, said that for the dignity of all students act, uh, prohibits discriminatory school mascots, including imagery or symbolism portraying native Americans. And that he said that it would be a willful violation of this act 
match. Uh, should school districts not affirmatively commit to replacing their Native American team names, logos, and imagery by the end of the school year? So it doesn't necessarily mean that they need to go through and have it 100% done by the end of the year. They just have to have a commitment. Um, we did reach out to the Liberty Central School District, who did tell us that they're reviewing the mandate from the State Ed Department. Uh, and then in the coming weeks, they were going to look at the options that were available to them to comply with the mandate and communicate, you know, plans as they're formulated. Uh, and it's really not known at this time exactly how much state aid a, a district would lose if they uh, did not comply or how much it would even cost the district when you think about it to replace the uh, logos and anything that's representative of the school district. So it's definitely something we'll be watching uh, going forward. Uh, you know, for me, I think that in some cases it looks like they're pretty serious about it with the state, but I'm sure there's, I would be very, I'm not a betting man, but I find it highly unlikely that all 60 districts are going to comply by the end of the year. So I'm sure there will be some that would push it. And I guess until we actually see the state kind of come down hard on a district for doing so, um, you know, you wonder if they'll actually end up changing it. By, uh, by the end of the 2023 call. school year, the end of the 2023 school year, does that mean by June, this coming June, or does it mean by the following June in 2024, the school year that starts in 2023, starting in September? Do you know about that? Yeah, it said the end of the 2022-23 school year, and typically July 1st, okay. is, July 1st is usually the reset, so I'd say by the end of June, so All around right. graduation time. So that's, it'll be interesting, but like, yeah, we'll see um, if they actually move forward with it. I know so far some of the Liberty community that saw our story uh, have, have sort of presented some backlash against the state, uh, feeling that uh, the school name, as it's been for decades, is representative of you know the area and that. And so we'll see, but uh, it doesn't look so far like, uh, but there were some people as well that thought maybe a name change would be necessary. So it's definitely a contentious and polarizing community topic for sure. Okay. But, uh, and among that, has anybody that you've talked to had any potential different names in mind? Anybody starting to toss those around? No, I think it's too preliminary at this time. I think a few years ago, Liberty, uh, had went forward with looking at, uh, possibly making some changes. I don't, I believe their board decided not to, uh, obviously they haven't done it to this point, but I haven't, I think we're at the preliminary stage. I think usually there needs to be a commitment first to change the name. And then at that point, similar to what you see with sports, you know, the Cleveland uh, baseball team is now the guardians first. They made the decision that they were going to change the name. And then at that point they enlisted the help of the community to try to figure out exactly what that new name should be. So, hmm. Well, there you go. All right. Well, thank you for that. Like you said, it's preliminary. So as more developments come, do let us know. Um, other news you're looking at, Mobile Medic has been sold. What does that mean for Sullivan County? Uh, Mobile Medic, it's a primary ambulance service here in our area. Yeah, it's pretty much the ambulance uh, service. I mean, we have Hot Zola uh, that's around as well, but they're, Mobile Medic's the one that most people think of or see um, as far as a business uh, in the EMS world. Uh, it was founded in 1991 by Albie Bachman, who's currently a county coroner, and uh, pretty much Empress Ambulance Service, which is based out of Yonkers and has contracts in Westchester and the Hudson Valley region at different places, uh, has acquired Mobile Medic, 
And um, I spoke with Albie, and he talks about some of the difficulties um, that the ambulance industry has faced in recent years, particularly, uh, you know, these rely heavily on third-party billing and insurance uh, reimbursement. And uh, with the Affordable Care Act, uh, you know, Albie stated it's been very difficult in their industry to get reimbursed for things, and that Sullivan County has a very high Medicare and Medicaid recipient population, um, and on top of all of this, in New York State, emergency medical services are not considered an essential service. So they don't have access to state funding that other types of industries or, or so might have. So he said it was uh, difficult for them to stay strong uh, as, as a company and that it's a trend across the nation in the ambulance industry for them to explore mergers. And it was something that Mobile Medic also considered. And he said he researched several companies and uh, he felt that Empress was the best fit. Um, Empress started in 1985. Like Mobile Medic, they are a family-owned company. And he said that, um, you know, the way that uh, they treated employees, staff, clients, he, he just felt that that was uh, the best option there. And that with this, uh, people to be aware of, is you're not going to notice very big changes, like me and you walking on the street, because the Mobile Medic name is going to stay. Uh, their staff is going to stay. Albie is the founder and chair of the board is going to stay. His son, Justin, who's the CEO, is going to stay in his role. So really, you're not going to notice it, you know, optically a very big change, but it is going to, um, by going into this larger company, uh, they're going to have access to uh, more technology and capital resources um, and training and such, uh, which should um, be an added, uh, you know, improvement to services that are already um, great, you know, it's, it's a well-respected company, Mobile Medic, and, and this is only, um, according to Albie, going to make things um, a lot better in Sullivan County. So um, that's, uh, you know, what's going on there. Um, but, yeah, so it's it's officially a done deal now. And so, but like I said, we're not going to notice very much, but, you know, Albie believes that, um, and the company believes that uh, it'll put them in a, in a better spot moving forward, so. And finally, before we go, there was an audit recently by the New York State Comptroller's Office, and it found, among other things, that the village of Monticello was overpaying its employees. What does this mean for the village of Monticello and those overpaid employees? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so it seems locally that Monticello can't catch a break, and that's been a thing for, for years. Um, you know, obviously the village has been struggling financially. You hear about most recently they had a, a situation where they were dropped from their insurance, and now they had to, you know, pay $500,000 more a year for insurance. So it seems like more bad news after another. And, um, you know, this comptroller uh, audit came down and it reviewed a time period of July 16th, 2018 and July 31st, 2020. And uh, pretty much what it found out is that they did not assure employees were paid appropriately and found that some village employees were overpaid in an amount totaling $141,800. Uh, the report stated that due to unclear board resolutions, undocumented verbal agreements, and a lack of board oversight, training, and controls, that the village's deputy clerk was overpaid by approximately $80,000 over a two-year period. I'd also said that nine police officers were overpaid by $49,000 and that two officers accounted for 39000 of the total overpayments. 
they also, the Comptroller's Office also said in the report that the payroll clerk accrued and used unauthorized leave and paid herself for more time than she was entitled, resulting in overpayments of about $12,800. So at this time, um, you know, we reached out to the village mayor, George Nicolatos, who told us they've been cooperating fully with the state auditors. And since the, the time periods in question, uh, new controls and oversight measures have been put in place by the village to address deficiencies. I know that the, um, I think the Comptroller's Office also said that they recommended maybe the, uh, you know, village look into ways of getting reimbursed for those funds. But uh, at this point in time, like I said, village is cooperating and, and trying, you know, moving forward and. It'll be interesting to see because if you've been to any village in Monticello board meeting as of late, um, as a group, they don't get along particularly well. Uh, and so it'll be interesting in the coming weeks and, and months in these meetings how this will add any fuel to that already uh, pretty crazy fire as far as, um, you know, the arguments and stuff that do occur during meetings. Hmm. Right. Okay. And um, I would like to hear what happens actually with all of these stories that we've been talking about tonight. So I think we'll probably have you back next week and the week after that. You good with that, Joe? Hey, I put it on my calendar. All okay. right. It's the weekly news roundup with the Sullivan County Democrat. We've been talking to managing editor of Sullivan County Democrat, Joseph Abraham. Joe, thank you so much for joining us tonight. No problem. That's going to do it for the local edition tonight, but the good news is we're here five nights a week giving you the latest information to keep you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm Jason Dole. I will return tomorrow. You want to stay tuned. Coming up, we got Laura Flanders and kicking off Laura Flanders show, kicking off our news and politics Monday night. A lot of great programs. Uh, this way out's coming up as well. Tonight, overnight low down to 23 and a chance of some snow showers this evening. Doesn't say anything about accumulation. Partly cloudy tomorrow with a high of 41 and mostly cloudy tomorrow night. Overnight low down to 28. It's WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello.